warm welcome on behalf of the Congregation of St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church, Kingston, and in the name of Jesus Christ. As is our custom in this congregation on the first Sunday of each month, this morning this service of worship will include a celebration of the Lord's Supper. So if you wish, I invite you now to pause and prepare some bread and a cup. I'll also take this opportunity to make an announcement. Um, next Sunday, the elders of St. Andrews hope to reopen this sanctuary for those who wish to attend worship. The service will not be as we knew it, with masks on our faces and physical distancing and no singing, but we are thankful to be able to offer this small step forward. Online participation, however, will continue. Beginning next week, this service will be streamed live at 10.30 on this same YouTube channel, if all goes according to plan, and available as a recording on the same place anytime thereafter. So at this time, I would like to extend great thanks to Christopher, who stepped up immediately in March to craft week by week through these months, these wonderful recordings of worship that have bound us not only together, but to our God. And also to Benjamin and Greg, who are willing to take on the challenges now of live streaming for us. This first Sunday of the month, it's also the first Sunday of September. This is traditionally a time of transition from summer to autumn, from vacation back to work and school. Much is different this year. The rhythms and even the contours of our days are still being shaped by this pandemic among us. But nonetheless, we stand at the beginning of a new week of grace. And we know that the one who has brought us thus far will continue to be faithful and will strengthen and guide and even carry us through the journey that lies ahead, whatever it may be. And so with the psalmist, I now declare, I will bless the Lord at all times. God's praise shall continually be upon my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted be glad and hear. O oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt God's name together. So I invite you to now prepare heart and join in praise. Come sing, O church in joy, in bold accord. Come celebrate the journey now and praise the Lord.
In the Christian tradition, human life has often, and indeed for long, been described as a journey, and religious life as a pilgrimage. I think of the words of T.S. Eliot, the English Christian poet, what we call the beginning is often the end, and to make an end is to make a beginning. The end is where we start from. The end for us as Christians is the resurrection of Jesus from the dead and the kingdom of God. Pilgrimage or journey is one of the constant narratives of the Holy Scriptures. So I invite you to hear again these words from one of the earliest of Christian letters read by Barb Zabel. Let us pray. Prepare our hearts, O God, to accept your word. Silence in us any voices but your own, so that we may hear your word and heed it. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our scripture this morning is taken from Hebrews 11 and 13 selected verses. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, Indeed, by faith, our ancestors received approval. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to set out for a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he set out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he stayed for a time in the land he had been promised, as in a foreign land, living in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him, of the same promise. For he looked forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Here we have no lasting city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. Through Jesus, then, let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that confess his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Amen, and may God bless the reading of his holy word.
Let us pray. Lord God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be found now acceptable in your sight, you who are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The Bible begins with Genesis, beginnings, the question of human origins. And the Bible concludes with Revelation, that which is yet to be revealed, the question of human destiny. And in between the beginnings and the destiny, there lies mystery. And much of the mystery for the human being lies in our power to reflect upon our life, to ask questions. What is the purpose of these days? What can human life amount to? What is possible? For what can I hope? As Christians, our responses to questions of mystery like this are necessarily modest. But we believe that what we know is sure. We know that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. Paul wrote to the Christians of Ephesus, For God has made known to us in all wisdom and insight the mystery of his will, according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. These questions of destiny, I believe artists have helped us explore. And often, I would say, even more immediately and profoundly than some philosophers and theologians and even preachers. So we come to our third and, and final exploration of the work of Van Gogh and his life and his faith. He communicated his faith through his art, rarely with traditional religious figures, but rather he celebrated the divine presence in the world beyond the church and the divine promises with a different vocabulary, with different palettes of color and vista. If most art critics have not appreciated this Christian dimension to the life and work of Van Gogh, well, we can. We can not only to honor the artists, but perhaps to grow ourselves in faith. In his mid-30s, nearing what would become the end of his life, Van Gogh articulated more clearly than ever his faith. It was during these last years that, for the first time, he took to painting explicitly biblical scenes. There is the Good Samaritan and the Pieta and the Raising of Lazarus. These scenes were not plucked at random by Van Gogh from the Bible. He selected them intentionally, I am sure, because, because each one, in each one of these scenes, he felt himself personally 
represented and involved. The victimized Samaritan, the suffering of Christ, the dying Lazarus. Look at the face of Christ in the Pieta. Look at the face of Lazarus. This is Van Gogh's own face. In each we see Van Gogh identifying with the suffering Christ, the dying Lazarus. But we also see Van Gogh identifying with the hope of each scene. For the victim along that road is nursed to health. The Christ who is dying is raised. And the Lazarus who is dead is brought out walking from the tomb. Each is a scene of sorrow and of deliverance, of death and of resurrection. In these explicitly biblical scenes, Van Gogh clearly places himself both within the suffering and the salvation that is known in Christian faith. But there were other paintings amongst those that he did at this time that perhaps even more fully communicate the totality of his religious experience, including one entitled Road with Cypress and Star. In May 1890, Van Gogh left the asylum of Saint-Rémy in the south of France full of hope, hope for healing, hope for new beginning. He traveled north to a town named Auvergne, just north of Paris, a picturesque village that had attracted many painters over the century before, and there he completed this painting. His two and a half months in this town were a time of passion, during which he was consumed by his work. He took the cheapest room in a home he could find. It was so small, that room, that he was forced to paint outside. But in 70 days, he completed 80 paintings. Like other paintings of this time, I view this canvas as a statement of faith, a statement of Van Gogh's Christian faith. For several years, Van Gogh had read and reread two books in particular The Imitation of Christ by Thomas Kempis and Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. From these volumes, Van Gogh adopted a certain perspective of Christian faith, one that declared and understood that human life is as a pilgrimage, that the Christian is a pilgrim wandering in a strange and hostile land. There is one surviving sermon left to us, written, preached by Van Gogh. In it he said, it is an old belief and it is a good belief that our life is a pilgrim's progress, that we are strangers on the earth, but that though this be so, yet we are not alone, for our Father is with us. We are pilgrims. Our life is a long walk or journey from earth to heaven. This is a wandering, Van Gogh said. This is a wandering, however, that, leaves some, that leads somewhere definite and good. 
This painter, Van Gogh, speaks in this next quote about how he was inspired by another's painting. Our life is a pilgrim's progress. I once saw a beautiful picture. It was a landscape at evening. Through the landscape, the road leads to a high mountain far, far away. On top of the mountain is a city where on the setting sun casts a glory. And on the road walks a pilgrim, staff in hand. He's been walking a good long while, while very tired. And now he meets a woman. That angel of God has been placed there to encourage the pilgrims and to answer their questions. And the pilgrim asks her, Does the road go uphill then all the way? And the answer is yes to the very end. And he asks again, And will the journey take all day? And the answer is, From morn to night, my friend. And the pilgrim goes on, sorrowful, yet rejoicing. Sorrowful because it is so far off and the road so long, and hopeful as he looks up to the eternal city far away, resplendent in the evening glow. Life as pilgrimage is an ancient theme of God's people. It's been a suggestive one ever since Abram and Sarai went out from Ur of the Chaldees in response to God's call not knowing where they were to go, as we heard Barb read from Hebrews. They became wanderers. They surrendered themselves to God and God's leading. And the church in all ages has seen something of themselves and their calling in the lives and faith of Abram and Sarai. In the first centuries of the church, Augustine of Hippo referred to Christian life as pilgrimage by faith. Christians, he said, are take, to take pride in their earthly attainments. Christians, he said, are responsible for their care of the earth and the proper ordering of their society. But Christians also know that their lives are never ultimately defined by this world. And however the significance this world may be, this world that we see and touch and taste and handle, this is not the only world. This is perhaps not even the most important world. These Christians are, by definition, he says, a people on the move towards another land and life. And so we come to this scene. There's a lighted house at the top, and from it just below, we're showing a horse-drawn cart carrying a man and a woman. And at the base of the road, two companions walking. This is a road traveled by human beings in the presence of a cypress that dominates the scene. The cypress shoots up into the firmament. It stretches right off the canvas. It's full of movement up. It's found these cypress trees in all the cemeteries that border the Mediterranean lands. For long, this cypress tree has been a symbol of the journey from this life and world. 
In this painting, the cypress dominates, soaring from the earth to the beyond. A reminder of the end of our physical life and suggesting another to come. And so by the cypress, my eye is drawn up to the sky. A vast sky, alive and occupying over half the canvas. It's full of radiant light, this sky, and pulsating rhythms. Often the sky has been symbolic of eternity, the ultimate goal of the human journey, and it certainly is, I think, in this painting. On one side of the cypress to our right is the newly formed crescent moon, and on the other side the emerging evening star with concentric circles of light. This is not day, nor is it night. It is twilight. It is the passage of day into night. And Van Gogh is using it to speak of two times, two lives, of day and night, of this pilgrim's life on earth and eternal life, of this life and the life to come. In one of his sermons in 1876, Van Gogh had preached, Twilight is failing. Blessed twilight. Blessed twilight when two or three are gathered in his name and he is in the midst of them. And blessed is he who knows these things and follows them too. I am come that they might have life and have it in abundance. I am the resurrection and the life and he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet he shall live. Such are the things twilight tells to those who have ears to hear and a heart to understand and believe in God. Blessed twilight. In the next year, Van Gogh wrote to his brother Theo, the moon is still shining and the sun and the evening star, which is a good thing. And they also speak of the love of God and make one think of the words, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. These words, though written and spoken two decades prior, continued to shape the life of Van Gogh, so that even in the darkest times of grief and pain in that asylum of Saint-Rémy, Van Gogh continued to affirm and tenaciously king to the promise of a life beyond this life, when earthly suffering would be in an end and give way to renewal and redemption, as seen in this painting, Road with Cypress and Star. During a bout of depression, Van Gogh died of a gunshot wound in July 1890 at the age 37. He despaired that nobody appreciated his painting. He despaired that he had become such an emotional and financial drain upon his beloved Theo brother. Van Gogh had, had been dismissed by Christians over the ages since, mainly because he died, they say, by suicide. But I ask, nevertheless, can we not value the faith that he articulated and the good he passed on to us? And besides, and besides, some scholars have doubts about his death. 
The circumstances were certainly unusual. No gun was ever found by his side in that wheat field. There were no powder burns around that fatal wound on his body as would be presumed if a gun were held close. And in fact, afterwards, two boys of that town admitted they had been harassing Van Gogh and they had been target shooting near the artist at that time. But even if Van Gogh did take his own life, I celebrate that Van Gogh, he may have despaired of himself, but he never despaired of God. He knew he was journeying all the way through towards God in this life, into another. And so even if, as the summer ends, our thoughts turn to questions of human destiny, as perhaps they rightly should, and we ask, what might this human life attain to? What might be possible in these days? For what can I hope? Well, perhaps we might consider again the works of this artist and the faith of this man. That life is a journey, a journey through God's glorious and gracious world. It's a journey that may involve great struggle and loneliness and rejection, but also be filled with purpose and inspiration. A journey that can follow the way of Christ and be accompanied by the risen Lord. A journey that meets life with strength and death unafraid as a passage from one living into another. A life as a journey with God and to God. So thanks be to God for these works of art, for this summer season past, for this autumn season ahead, for this faith, for this God. In Jesus' name, amen.
From the word of God known in scripture and sermon, we now turn to the word known in sacrament. I invite you to begin with a hymn, a hymn of praise and of dedication, and continue by joining together with Christians of every branch of the Church of Christ in the Apostles' Creed. Lord of all power, sworn in glad service, your word to obey, I walk in your freedom to the end of the way. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again, he ascended into heaven, he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
So now to all who truly and earnestly acknowledge their sin and yearn to be in love and charity with neighbor, who intend to lead a Christian life following in the commandments of God and walking in God's holy ways, I say, come. Draw near with reverence, with faith, and with thanksgiving, and take this supper of our Lord to your comfort. Come to this holy table not because you must, but because you may. Come to testify not that you are righteous, but that you sincerely love the Lord a little and would love him more. Come not because you are strong, but because in frailty and in sin you stand in need of heaven's help. Come not to express an opinion, but come to seek and know a presence. This supper of our Lord is now spread before us. And I say, come, lift up mind and heart above all selfish fears and cares, and let this bread and this cup be unto you the outward and visible symbols of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit. Let us continue with the great prayer of thanksgiving. O Lord our God, we lift up our hearts to you in glad thanksgiving. We join our voices with your people of every generation and nation. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. We thank you, Lord God, that you hold this world in your hands from beginning to end, that you know each of us by name. You have created us and called us into this life. You have given us breath and blood, thoughts of mind and passions of heart, all that we should be made one with you, that we should become your people here on earth. In many and various ways you spoke to our parents of old, by prophets and priests and kings. But in these last days, we acknowledge that you have spoken to us by a son, and he is now our only prophet, priest, and king. And so we give you thanks for the living remembrance now set before us of flesh assumed and broken, but also of flesh raised and transfigured and healed. And here we proclaim with all your people, Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. And so we pray now for Holy Spirit. We pray that the bread which we break may be our communion in the body of Christ, and the cup we now bless and share may be our communion in the blood of Christ. We pray for Holy Spirit, Lord, not just upon this bread and this cup, but that we might become your people, that the risen Lord may live in us and that we might live in him that here at this table we might be reconciled to you and to each other, that here barriers might be broken down between young and old, woman and man, wealthy and poor. And Lord, we pray for Holy Spirit not only amongst us, but amongst all, 
Let this earth, so dear to us, be given a new face. Let swords even now raised be beaten into plows and wars be banished. Let gardens be planted and old wastelands renewed. That our broken world be rebuilt by hands like ours under the roof of Christ, he who is our peace. We pray that your kingdom come. O oh God, we lift up these prayers. We lift up ourselves. We do so in the name of Jesus, through him, with him, in him. In the glory of the Holy Spirit, may all glory and honor be yours now and forever, O oh God. Hear us as we continue in the words he taught us together to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. And so we remember. We remember how on the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord took bread. And after giving thanks to his Father above, he broke it. And he passed it to his disciples. And he said, take this and eat of this. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And also how at the conclusion of that meal, he took the cup. And again, he gave thanks to his father above and he passed it to his friends. And he said, take this, drink of this. This is the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. The Apostle Paul reminds us that as oft as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death till he come again. In other words, Paul declares, our Lord lives, and in him we live. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The bread of heaven. and the cup of salvation.
Let us pray. Holy One, long have you sought us, and mercifully have you redeemed us. You have set us upon this path, and for that we thank you. For it is a path beaten hard by the footsteps of many before us. It is a path laid down by none other than you through Jesus Christ. It is a path through much, along which we experience much, in body and mind and soul. And Lord, it is a path that leads us forward, that leads us further and further into your love and into life. A life that you have granted unto us now will sustain us through all our days and complete and fulfill Lord God, we thank you for this great presence and promise that we know in Jesus Christ. In his name, amen. We conclude as pilgrims along the journey singing God's praise. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord be kind and gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you peace.
this day and every day. Amen.